Welcome to Leaders in Travel Beyond the Business Card. I'm Scott Cleaver, and in the coming weeks and months, we'll hear from leaders across the Travel Corporation who we think have a great story to tell. We'll dive deep into their formative years, what drew them to travel, what makes them tick, and how they get their inspiration. Plus, because we send so many thousands of guests to all parts of the world each year on journeys of exploration and joy, we will ask our leaders about their travel lives, where they've been, what they've seen, and where to next. Today's guest is the flag bearer for one of the Travel Corporation's most well-known luxury brands. We're staying at the front of the fleet, if you'll excuse my pun, is both challenging and rewarding. Travel Corporation Chair Brett Tolman has, amongst other accolades, applauded her passion, pride and excitement for the role she executes so well. But who is the real Ellen Betridge? So will the real Ellen Betridge please stand up? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like what you're saying, Mr. Cleaver. Um, You know, Scott, um, the real Ellen Betridge, you know, I was born, raised in Spokane, Washington, uh, which is uh, not as glamorous as Los Angeles. Um, you know, I'm, uh, my mom and dad, we had a very, um, interesting childhood. Uh, my mom was a nurse and my dad worked on the railroad. So they kind of left the five kids kind of on our own. And, um, there's four girls and one boy, my brother's the oldest. And, um, you know, it's really interesting to see how, you know, we all took care of each other and how we grew up and we had to cook dinner and do the laundry and, you know, all those things. Cause my mom was working and dad was working and, um, but it was the greatest way to grow up because I, I learned a lot uh, of how to stand on my own two feet, that's for sure. Um, so, But uh, Spokane was not going to be where I was going to stay forever, that's for sure. And uh, at the ripe young age of, uh, I guess, gosh, I might have been 21, I moved to New York uh, to be a nanny for the summer for a family because uh, I wanted to get out of, you know, go to the big city and check it out. I didn't have a passport. I hadn't been anywhere in the world um, and that really just, you know, going to New York is like going to another country. So it was like um, incredibly exciting. And uh, I look back on it and I can't believe it. I feel like it was yesterday. Um, I wish I was 21 again yesterday, but it's not going to happen. Life has, you know, there's so many people that speak about that as time flies by. And Ellen, you know, for, for housekeeping, I guess, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having some time with us. Uh, you you are the the president and CEO of of UniWorld, the UniWorld Boutique River Cruise Collection, and it's a role that you've held for um, well five and a half years now, mid two thousand and sixteen, and and again I'm sure like we just alluded to that time has gone so fast. You've you've seen and done so much, and we really want to, to get to that. But if if we can start, you you, know, you mentioned about growing up in Spokane, Washington. Um, and that family, a, a big family, and what's come, what you've shared already is that that gave you independence at an early age. Is is that a time that you look back fondly in your life? I do. Um, you know, I think that uh, I'm very close to my sisters, and uh, we always had a lot of fun together. Um, and I think we became we're we're so competitive, my sisters and I, and I think that's uh, I have a that's actually served me well. So yeah, I do look back on it fondly. Um, you know, my parents uh, were, I look back on them and I can't believe what they accomplished and how they, how they even managed because they had five kids going to Catholic school, um, you know, paying our tuitions, getting us through college. And, uh, you know, they were very much a blue, we we're very much a blue collar family. You know, it wasn't, uh, we didn't have anything fancy. Um, 
And uh, but I didn't know that. I didn't know we were poor, <laughs> you know, growing up. I, I we always had everything we needed. And uh, I'm so fortunate. I you hear stories of people not having a great childhood. And I had an amazing childhood. Very lucky. It, it's interesting that you say that because you know, as we speak to different people in this forum, everybody's childhood obviously shapes them. And some people, it's if, if you do have the benefit of of that that good childhood, sometimes decisions are, are they they can come later in in your childhood. Those that perhaps had a, a reason, a motivation that they had to change the trajectory of their life early because of the situation that they were in. So to come from an environment that was uh, a positive one, that was, uh, you had, I, um, these are my words, not yours, but role models in your parents about working hard and, and, and getting it done. That foundation, was it early in your life that, that you, you believed you were destined for a career in leadership? I don't think I ever was, Scott. I um, actually, you know, I always wanted to be a newscaster of all things, believe it or not. I wanted to be the the woman on the morning show. Um, and that's kind of what I always, I studying the communications and journalism, and that's what my plan was. Um, I, I don't know that I ever thought I could be in the role I'm at today. No, I don't. I always feel I, my husband used to always laugh at me because he always would say that I was constantly changing my job. And I kept saying, you know, sometimes I was taking these lateral moves because I wanted to learn and I wanted to figure out something different. And other times I was, you know, going up a little bit, but I was kind of all over the place uh, within my career. And um, each time I got to that next level, I was like, oh, I can do this. But it's so scary wondering, can I do it? And I think everybody sits back sometimes and doesn't think they're good enough and doesn't think they can do it. And, um, and after sometimes when you get there, you're like, oh boy, what have I done? You know, you have that moment. Um, but I, I don't know, I've learned really that you've just got to believe in yourself and you've got to not be so hard on yourself and not always take everything so seriously. Yeah. I, and that's one thing I know I've, I've enjoyed your company for a number of years now. And I think one of the the great skills that you have that can easily be confused as a personality trait is that enthusiasm and, and warmth and energy that you bring. And the reason I say it in those terms is that, oh, Alan, really nice person, really warm person. And that might be true, but there's also something uh, as we work through this conversation, this chat today, that'll talk about your leadership style. But is that something that yeah, when I've seen you in a in a room full of people, that engagement and you know, we referenced Brett's quote at the start of this about that excitement. Is it easy to confuse a, a personality trait with a skill? Because to bring people together in a commercial environment is a skill. I, I think it is a skill. I don't know that I ever thought of it that way, though. Um, it's it's just something I'm very fortunate that comes natural. It doesn't. Uh, I sincerely enjoy meeting new people and being around them and learning from them. Um, you know, I have a, an incredible executive leadership team and we're very close and we, and we laugh and we talk, we get together once a week and we get very rowdy and uh, we learn from each other um, and uh, we push back on each other and, um, and, and share, you know, and, so it's not a skill. It's not something I ever thought I knew how to do. I just enjoy it. Well, you, if we stay back in those formative years and you spoke of uh, a desire to, to be a news anchor, uh, 
so journalism and communications and there's a few reasons in that in my head one is that opportunity to, to perhaps be on tv or to it's just to seek fame another is to travel because you know people that are in journalism or those type of roles have an opportunity to explore and the other piece i guess is out of a curiosity to learn and to know was that one of those definitions what inspired you to to want to go down that track early um, definitely the desire to travel has always been there. Um, I think the learn and know, and just, you know, you would watch, I would watch these shows in the morning and I would see the news anchors and, and what they, you know, the, the, I like the pressure they were under, you know, to have to, to have to be able to perform and to get it done. And I also like the idea of that sense of gratitude of they've just accomplished something. So every show, everything you've done in each one of those segments is something you're accomplishing. And uh, I like the idea of that, but definitely to travel. Definitely. Um, it's uh, I, my father used to laugh at me all the time and say, you know, that I was the, the one kid who just always had to go somewhere and always had to see stuff. And uh, when I was, uh, I was about 15 years old, I was 15 years old and my best friend had moved to uh, San Francisco. And I, as I mentioned, my father worked on the railroad. So I said to my dad, I want to go visit her. And he says, well, how are you going to get there? So he said, go put together a plan. So I put together my first business plan, which was how I was going to get the money and through my babysitting jobs and how I was going to take the train over to Seattle, see my grandparents first, and then take the train all the way down to San Francisco at the ripe age of 15. And how I was going to convince my mom to let me go as well. And my dad thought it was the greatest thing in the entire world, my little business plan I put together. And he said yes. And then, of course, my mom said no, but my dad said yes. So I got to go. So that, that enthusiasm combined with the determination. So there's a – is that how you live your life? I mean, I, I, as I take some of those traits out, you wanted to see your friend. And perhaps that might have been in some way that the end result. But – Part of your personality, part of your makeup was a determination to prove possibly to yourself, possibly to others, that it was achievable and you put those steps in place. Is that is that Alan Betridge in, in a uni-world context too? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's about the adventure, right? It's about the what's next. It's about challenge me. Um, how can we do things differently? Um, how do we stand out, right? Um, you know, when, when the pandemic happened, uh, Scott, we were sitting here thinking, how do we come out of this in a really strong way, right? So that, um, and we've got the great trade stories and we've got the partners talking about us and and it sets us up for success. You know, as uh, Mr. Stanley Tolman and other very famous people have always said, never waste a crisis, right? So, uh, and I, I think we, it's that adventure of not wasting that crisis and uh, how do you, how do you come out of something in a big way, not in this, you know, this kind of get through? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because you and I spoke before we started recording the podcast this morning. And one of the things that came through was that you spoke about the positives that are coming from this year. And as we record this in mid-March uh, 2022, you know, we, we, we don't know what happens in the coming you know, weeks and months. And we're all certainly far more positive than we have been for a long time about the opportunity to succeed within the business. Do you always look for that that bright light? Are you always drawn to that bright light? And are you still able to achieve a, a balance between not always looking at the positive 
and maybe uh, at the risk of saying uh, pessimism, but perhaps reality at times, yeah. particularly during like a, a, a pandemic, something that we've never experienced or, or most of us have never experienced before. You know, the pandemic, I think, was a roller coaster of emotions, right? So there's days when you're really high and other days that you're really low. Um, you know, the one thing I'm, um, have I kind of been saying to the team to start this year off, the, the word is believe, right? And I think we have to believe. Um, we have to believe in ourselves and we have to believe in what we can accomplish. And, you know, it's, it's, it's everyone says it, but you only can control what you can control, right? So figure out the stuff you can control and, uh, and make those things punch through so that you can try to help make up for those things that you can't control. Um, and so that's kind of been our mantra within our team here is how do we, how do we just really believe and how do we get to that next place and bring everyone also along with us? I think as leaders, something that some leaders do is they'll get carried away with something, but they don't bring everybody along with them and with their enthusiasm. And I think it's really important that you get everybody's engagement and everyone's support as you move through chapters or through uh, challenges and different things. So it, it can be a negative thing, but at the same time, as long as you're bringing people through with you and giving them exactly where, where you wanna get to and how you're going to get there um, is so important. People need to know how you're going to support them. And then uh, they need to know that it's going to be okay. Um, I'm definitely a glass half full type of person, but um, you know, you also do have to have that reality in there as well, right? So, you know. But what about leadership in those that early part of your life, Ellen? You know, people will follow you and people are, are inspired by you, but was that always the case? Were you always involved in, in a leadership? Were you somebody that others followed? I, I never thought of myself that way. Um, I mean, I was very active. I had a lot of friends and, you know, a very close circle of friends because we all went to small Catholic schools and then went off to the big high school together. I never thought of myself that way. And I've, I've always tried to figure out when was that moment when I thought people actually were following me or listening to me or, you know, and I'm trying to, I don't really actually know when that was, Scott. Um, I think it's about all those different moments in life. And all of a sudden you get to a point and you say, oh, wow, I'm I'm actually, um, you know, responsible for this team or I'm responsible for this. And so I'll be honest with you, I don't know when that moment was. Um, I was I definitely not when I was in my younger years in school, possibly when I, you know, went off to college and then, uh, you know, was in a sorority and, you know, hanging out with my sisters and having fun. You know, I always look to them. It's funny. I grew up always looking to my sisters and thinking that they, that I was, had to follow them, which is so interesting. And, uh, and it's definitely reversed over time with us in our relationships as well. But personally, so yeah. it wasn't something that you, you sought then? No. It was organic? Yeah. No, you know, honestly, I honestly, you know, grew up thinking that I was going to just be um, a mom someday. <laughs> I never expected to have a job and do all this. I always, my big thing was that, you know, you have a job for a few years, grew up very old fashioned, you know, and that I'd stay home and raise the kids and the house with the white picket fence and, you know, <laughs> never dreamed that I would uh, have the career that I have. And uh, with that, that endeavor and that, talent to be able to you know, build a life that you have. And I know that family for you, you often, you know, reference 
your immediate family. That's it goes without saying, of course, but something that's very important to not just to you and what makes up your life, but it's almost to me it's part of that you, you use that almost as a source of fuel. Like that, that's a, a, a part of your life that is um, is really important to you and uh, and and gives you the foundation to do all the other things that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, my husband's been amazing. Um, he's always supported my career and uh, moving us around the country and doing different things, which is can, can be rare. Um, and then I have uh, two amazing daughters who I always strive to make sure I am a great role model for them. Um, you know, I and they're they're amazing. They're older now, so they really are amazing. Uh, they go through that challenging years, but uh, they are they they do look up to me and they do come to me for advice, and I and I love it. I talk to both my daughters every day. Um, so and they're one's in college and the other one lives in New York, but we uh, we speak all the time. Today's guest is the president and CEO of the Uni World uh, Boutique River Cruise Collection, Alan Betridge, and. Alan, very much grateful to have some time with you. And in the second part of our podcast, we look more around your career and the, the steps that you've taken. Because one, not just to understand uh, that that progression, if you like, and your successes and and I guess speed bumps along the way, but also because it's so easy to look at a leader, certainly someone in a position like yours, and and believe that you've always been there. So. Sharing that, would you share with us you know, your your career history, if you like? Because there are a number of aspiring leaders, particularly within the travel corporation, that sometimes everybody's path is different. But from the position there and now, it's hard to sometimes see how we can get to these roles of influence and, and leadership. Yeah. I've had an incredible um, career and I feel so fortunate, um, you know, and I, and I found travel, which I found that passion for it. And I think that helps. So I think uh, when you find something that you love to do, it really does make a difference. Um, so I've had a job in travel. My first job was my official title was a girl Friday. And I worked for a travel agency, uh, three amazing women um, who ran this business. And uh, I needed medical benefits and they told me that I needed to go get a job at American Express. Um, and so I went and got a job at American Express. You know, I applied for the job and got the job, uh, you know, as an entry-level travel counselor. Um, so the lowest you could possibly be. And, uh, you know, within a, with, I was really very motivated, though, to, to do more. And uh, I had a great boss. His name was John Cleary. And John always encouraged me to do more. And I remember him saying to me, there was this, uh, they had something called a pace setter, which was the top of the top, the best, uh, when top 5% of the employees. And the company took them on a trip every year. And I wanted that trip. And uh, after two years of being there, I won. So I was in the top 5% of the sellers. And uh, we got to go to Paris and go to Euro Disney, which had just opened up. Uh, and, I, you know, it's like I was, so proud of that award, and I still have it, and I, I keep it um, in my office at home uh, to remind myself that you know I started there as a pace setter, and then from there I became a team leader, and then I was a manager, and then I was a manager in the travel side. Then I moved to the corporate card side of the business, also as a manager, and I moved to the purchasing card side of the business, also as a manager. So I took a lot of different lateral moves, um, and at the time I didn't know how important that was. But then I, it, it became critical when I wanted to become a director because then I had all this different experiences and different understanding of the business 
which just set me up perfectly for the position I didn't even have to apply. I was asked to take it, right, because I had those experiences. But, but you know, before we move on to, I guess, those executive roles which come next in your career, so I find that, I find that fascinating that uh, first I want to know where the, the, the news anchor dream got shelved and the travel one became your new reality. And, and you know, we'll talk about that in a moment. But also, was, was this, this, these different moves, lateral or otherwise, were they a strategy to learn more facets of the organization to grow? Or was it just this natural curiosity? Or was it simply that op- with opportunity uh, came reward? What was it that created that? So tell me first, I've got to know, you know why aren't you on TV every day? Uh, you know, when we when we tune into Good Morning America. Yeah. Well, you know what I was? So I moved to New York, um, started, I was a nanny for the summer. At the end of the summer, I went to go take some courses at Hunter College in Manhattan. And uh, I got a job as a, um, as a travel, working at this travel agency, you know, getting coffee for these ladies and doing the um, weekly reports and things for them. And, um, and I loved it because I and they I got these free airline tickets as part of my compensation. I think I you know I got paid like seven dollars an hour or something. And then but they gave me free airline tickets to go home to see my parents. And then one time they said, yeah, I could have free tickets to go to London to go on an international trip. Well, I didn't even have a passport, you know. What I mean, so I was so excited, and that's when I just said, I have to be in travel. I mean, I, I remember that trip like it was yesterday. I remember that air. I mean, I didn't, I could have, I was in coach in the, probably the last row and I didn't care at all. I was so excited. I didn't sleep the entire night. I was awake all night on the plane and, you know, and it was just, just the whole fascination of it, of going to a new place was just amazing. Um, I just fell in love with travel. And then, so that second part of my question as well, and, that, and that's neat. That's what I think sometimes particularly over the last couple of years with, with travel not being what we had wanted it to be or because of, of obvious reasons and now moving out of that that sense, that, that young, you know, early 20s, Alan butterflies in the stomach excitement about travel, we know that our guests are feeling that way too about, you know, travelling in 2022 and beyond, so that's neat. But what about if you're talking to somebody, that, that earlier version of yourself, about taking opportunity you know, I spoke to Melissa De Silva she her advice if you like was just take every opportunity uh, and I, I don't think she meant that blindly obviously you've got to look for the right opportunity or an opportunity that gives you some benefit of of learning or development is that why you were happy to have those moves or was it just because somebody had said hey we think you'd be good at this well, I, I saw that I was working for a company that, first of all, I was in the travel side of, of American Express. And I also saw, though, if I wanted to stay at American Express, which I was there for 23 years, so um, a long time, you had to be more well-rounded. And you actually needed to understand the other facets of the business because they're all puzzle pieces. They all come together in how, um, how American Express supported the card member. So you needed to understand those facets. So I would, you know, what was interested to learn. I really was just interested to learn and to take on the, you know, figure out something different. Um, I guess maybe I got bored real easily too. So I was trying to figure out how to, you know, take on the next challenge. Um, I also had an amazing though um, mentor. Her name was Cynthia Vallis. Um, I worked for Cynthia 
when I was a travel counselor and again when I was a manager in uh, travel. And then she went over to the card side of the business and she said, no, you need to get over here, too. You know, so. Um, but, you know, going back to what you said about Melissa, I do believe you got to take every opportunity. But in but I, what I always say to people, you got to raise your hand. Um, you know, you, you can't just do your basic job. You've got to raise your hand and you've got to show interest in other things. You can't just it's not going to come to you. <laughs> you got to go after it. Um, if you want something, you've got to go after it. And it's uh, and. You might not even realize you're doing it, but you got to have it in your heart. Once you've got it in there, you know, you don't even realize what you're doing to get to the next place. I think that's so interesting. And and if you like, as we've spoken to different leaders within the group, there is that piece where the modern world says, hey, you know, these are what you're contracted to do. And everybody understands this piece now where before, you know, you didn't have that, that protection or that, that the culture of a business of achieving work-life balance and those other pieces. But there is something that's still undeniable that, and these are these are my words, but the sense that I've had from other leaders that we've spoken to, that a company now can't and won't mandate how much extra you need to do to get ahead because that's not culturally how, how the world is viewed. But I get the sense from these leaders that everybody that's achieved something has made the conscious decision that they've had to put in that little bit more, and this is not an advertisement for having to work longer hours, but they've they've had to do that and they've had to make that decision in order to realize those opportunities. Fair? Right. Very fair. I think it's about working smarter, not longer, not harder. It means smarter. And it's about um, being curious. It's good to be curious. Um, and it's good to take on other projects within other departments just to learn what they do and how you can then better support them or how they can better support you for that matter. So I think that was a lot of my, I think I was just curious more than anything else. And like I said, it, it, I didn't realize how important it was until, you know, you get to the next level and you realize that, wow, if I hadn't had that, I wouldn't be where I am. But it's also the people you meet along the way, Right. So it's all that, you know, I was within a company and I knew a lot of people in so many different departments and divisions and things. And you things happen. Right. And you need somebody you need to call a friend and say, hey, I need help with this. I need help with that. And I knew people to call, you know, um, and that network of uh, of colleagues and friends is always important. And, uh, you know, and to keep them close to you. Huge you know, success and a tenure at American Express. But then cruising became a, a, a part of your life. With a, you, you had roles, senior executive roles at, at Silver Seas, and then as Amara, organisations that are still you know well regarded in the luxury space, more so in and around ocean cruising. But uh, how did those opportunities come about? What did you what did you get from those? What did you learn from that? So I was um, it was a, a vice president of the retail travel business for American Express, and I was speaking at a conference in Cannes, and the owner of Silver Seas, uh, Manfredi Lefebvre, was there, and uh, he came up to me and said, "Can we have coffee?" And I said, "Sure." So you know, we you know he was the owner of this big luxury line. Why wouldn't I have coffee with him? And I was his customer, in essence. Um, so we sat and had coffee and chatted, and he said, "You know, have you ever thought about?" you know, coming to work for me. I'm like, well, no, why would I? You know, I was just actually just shocked. And he said, no, I think, you know, I'd love you to come and be the president of Silver Seas and 
you know, moved to Florida. And I mean, it ha it was just the strangest conversation. And I kind of said, well, that would never happen. I went back, I called my husband and told him and he said, you're crazy. Call him back and tell him you want to learn more. Find out about it. He goes, we'll move to Florida if we need to. I'm like, oh, all right. So it kind of happened by accident. Um, but um, I took that job because I saw that American Express, things were changing. It, it is a credit card company. It's not a travel company. So I did see that, that travel was changing there with some new laws that had come in place. So I thought it was a good opportunity to move off at that point. So I went to go work for um, Manfredi. Um, but you know, I expected it to be just like American Express. And uh, it's not. You know, Every company has its own culture. And I had been there. I grew up there, right? And so now I'm in this um, leadership role in another company, and I'm expecting people to have the same reactions and to provide the same information and to talk to you the same way. And this is a privately held Italian family, like black and white. It was like completely not what I expected. And it was very hard for me to adjust. Um, I had a very, very difficult time. So I, um, and I was there for like two and a half years. And, um, you know, and I was unhappy, but I, and I, I'm, I kick myself because I didn't speak up. I should have spoke up and said what I wasn't unhappy about and actually spoke with the owner about it. Um, but instead I just kind of, um, you know, left and I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't speak up and that's, that was a mistake. I should have gone to them and said what I was unhappy about and what I wanted to change. Um, I thought it was my fault. And uh, sometimes, you know, it takes two um, in a business relationship. That's for sure. If I can move through to your time in Unilever, and we've spoken about it, August 2016 is when you came into the role that you're in now. You, again, you know, experience in working for a, a privately held family company. Um, that's some of the values that are most important within the travel corporation. And, and I mean this respectfully because you know, I enjoy a, a neat relationship and have great affection for, for our owners. But I've spoken to Jonathan as well and his role in many ways not dissimilar in terms of the, the Tolman family hoteliers by, by trade, by definition, particularly Mr. and Mrs. Tolman. What impact have they had on the environment that, that you've been able to nurture to make Uniworld what it is today? Um, I think, you know, they, they set it up for success, right? By creating the vision of being uh, the luxury river cruise line. Um, but what I, what I always enjoyed about Mr. Tolman is that he would give you his advice, but at the same time, he really did want your opinion too. You know, he wanted to hear what you thought. Um, he wanted your ideas and, um, and I, and it, he let, let me put my own stamp on it, if you want to say. Um, but at the same time, because he, I got what he wanted me to do, and that takes the first like two years, right? Like to get going what the owners want you to do and how you should move things, and then they get to the point that they trust you to let you take it to a next place. And um, I've felt very fortunate over the years that I've had, I've been able to gain that trust from from Brett um, to uh, take the business to where it is today. When we reference Brett and, of course, you know Tony's involvement more from a, a design perspective, but uh, I've I've always felt that you've been supported, but I think you referenced it that there's an immense care and passion for the brand from the family, but that Brett's always given you the license to implement your ideas and thoughts and energy to within the business. I mean, in a privately held business, when you have such passionate owners who 
obviously want nothing but success for the business, its customers, its people. Is that a hard balance or a fine balance to achieve in terms of that expectation versus your your own determination? We've talked about you being a determined person to do it your way. And I don't mean that it always has to have a, a battle, but uh, how do you balance those those relationships in the way that you need to? Well, I think um, I think I'm very lucky because we're like minded um, in our approach. Um, you know, he has the message of you deserve the best, and um, you know, I have this desire to be the best, and I want to have I want to show off what we have, right? I mean, we have the most beautiful ships, the most incredible crew, and it's like and their passion that they have. And it's like, I want to show them off and I want them to shine so desperately. Um, and I think they always, the Tomas always gave me that the right to, to, to want to push that forward because they were so proud of it. You know, the hotels and the ships, that is, um, they own those, right? These are assets, right? And so, I, I mean, I'm the caretaker of them and, uh, and it's, it's a very special place to be. Yes, it's a fine line, but at the same time, because we have a similar uh, passion and a desire, it makes it easy. You you spoke about the fun that you have with your team. If we look at, at those people that you work most closely with, and I've had the the privilege to to be a, at a number of kickoff meetings and seen that team in action. And without flattering to deceive, even from afar, you can see that there's an immense amount of of talent. But what I would also say about your team from again from from afar is very much a sense of of ownership that they have that they feel part of UniWorld and that they feel that those decisions that they make matter. Uh, tell me about the, the the makeup of that that team and what is it that you foster and was it what is it that 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 group brings to the success of 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 the brand to the business. So my executive team, you know, um, I think about them as like when you hire someone, I was always taught that you hire people who are smarter than you in each of those aspects. So, you know, when I brought on Dave Thomas, he is the head of revenue management and he knows revenue management inside out, upside down. I don't. I've learned a ton from Dave, but he I, I, I look to him to be the owner of that. You know, Ling is a master in finance and um, in uh, accounting. And it's like but I want her to own that and internet with marketing and Kimberly running the call center. And it's interesting because we would come together though, you know, Ling will have an opinion on the marketing and uh, Dave will have an opinion on, um, you know, something we're doing in the call center. And it's great because everyone's opinion matters. We run this business as a core group, not as, you know, I just do this. I just do accounting and I'm just going to tell you what it is. It's, People probably think it's strange that I would have revenue management and accounting in my sales and marketing meetings, but I do because, you know, they have to make sure we're making our bottom line and that they understand it. But also they need everyone needs to understand everybody's role. Right. And once you know that you you and then you that you feed off of each other. Um, it's been more than once that we'll be in my office uh, having our weekly meetings and we get pretty feisty. Uh, you know, the, the the volume goes up and we disagree and we and it's it's great. I I, I just love that my team pushes back on me. Um, they don't I, I don't have any yes people on my team, that's for sure. Um, and we push each other hard. When, when I look at the makeup of that team, 
there is a, a diverse range of, of views and they come from people's life experiences. Perhaps they're influenced individually by elements of their their culture or, or whatever that might be, their, their experience in life, their experience in their career. You know, I, one of the questions that I kind of ask to all of our leaders is around diversity and, and making sure that we do have lots of different opinions and views. And it sounds a little trite at times that, now let's talk about diversity. Let's talk about growth of, of you know, women or female leadership. And I don't want it to be like that. I don't want it to be a box tick that we approach every time we speak to our leaders. But I just think it's it's so important now and, and I love your view on why having a range of um, opinions from people of different walks of life, why, why is that important to, to Uniworld and to you as a leader? You, you gain new things, right? And you gain new ideas. And it's not, um, you know, you don't want to look in the mirror and just see yourself. You know, it's not just you, right? And it, I think leaders can get caught by... Um, hiring people that are just like them, right? And I always try to find people who are not just like me. You know what I mean? So that you can build on their, build different strengths. Um, and it, the, we do have a diverse team from uh, women, African-American, uh, you know, Asian, you know, so we have that. And, and but we also have the diverse, it's really the more the diversity in our styles and how we approach things. It's not always about the diversity of the type of person. It's the what they bring to the table that makes it really special. Yeah, I, and I, I love that. And I guess having those people from different walks of life, even commercially, which isn't necessarily, of course, why we do it, but commercially to have a different lens on different opportunities allows us to invite and welcome people from Know, different parts of the community to to travel with us. And one thing that I always say about Uniworld on the different times I've had the great privilege to to cruise with Uniworld is that there are a, a pretty diverse range of of guests, of of crew, uh, and perhaps that wasn't always the case. No, it is. Uh, the, the crew, they're mostly um, Eastern Europeans, um, but they are a very diverse group. And um, I think we're very fortunate because they're they're very passionate about Uniworld. They're our employees, so therefore they come, we you know maintain them for on average nine years, which is unheard of in the in the in this business. Um, so I think that makes it uh, very special. It's definitely they they feel like they're at home. Like the the ships are they live on the ships. You got to remember, like they're you know they, these are their little homes for you know several weeks at a time. Um, and so it's it's interesting to watch them and how they care and, and look after each other. So um, we've been constantly looking at how do we create a more interesting environment on board, right? So it is about a, a diverse customer. So, you know, we're actually trying to source customers now from Europe, more, more people from Germany or from Norway, um, more people from Latin America, um, you know, it's it's always great to have the Aussies and the uh, New Zealanders on, um, you know, because you want that that mix of people, and it's just a it's not stale. It's not you know, it's it's fun. It usually creates a different, it's a, a very rowdy group, that's for sure, but uh, and an interesting one. Yeah, I, that, I think that's one of the most brilliant things about traveling on Uniworld is that those people that and you can see that relationship some people steam in on day one and want to make as many friends as they can others are a little bit reserved but by day two or three they've you know, they're pulling chairs 
you know, these beautiful chairs out of our beautiful lounges to make tables of two into tables of 32 as they yeah. meet and engage with their new friends. And that's one thing that, that travel gives us, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, that, that opportunity to communicate and, and learn and, and build new, new friendships. Yeah, no, it's something our guests talk about all the time with the friendships they build and who they know. And it's interesting. I often will go on a ship for one day at a time, you know, just go on for a day, do a town hall with the crew and kind of see things. And every time I go on a ship, people will know that I don't, you know, the, who are you and why are you here? You know what I mean? It's like the guests are watching because they, they, they do create this little bond on board and uh, they know that you're not, you weren't there at the day one. Yeah, they certainly, uh, take an ownership of of their particular favorite crew member as well don't they you know they they almost want to wrap them up and take them home absolutely the, the last ellen the last part of, of our podcast with you is a few rapid fire questions not just about your life and travel but about your travel life and just a, a, a few uh, i'm just interested to know do you, do you have a, a defining moment in your travel life i would have to be my first trip abroad would probably have to be my first defining moment. I think in my career at Uniworld, it was definitely the launch of the Joie de Vivre um, and launching a ship was kind of like that moment of, wow, I'm only in this job six months and look what I'm doing. This is so cool, you know? And again, for somebody that's, you're not just half cup, you're you're overflowing and that's a compliment to you. You know, you you certainly are a, are a positive person. But has, has what, what's travel taught you? Um, it's taught me it is a roller coaster, but <laughs> life is a roller coaster and, you know, and that you, the best, there's the best laid plans, right. And the best strategies, but you've got to be willing to pivot and move and be flexible because things happen. So, and travel is a great way to describe that. Cause you know, your flight can be delayed or things can happen, but also in business, things can happen. You don't know that your ship's going to get hit by another ship in Venice, Italy in June, you know, and, and uh, you're going to get a phone call in the middle of the night that you've had an accident. You don't know that you're going to have low water and have to deal with that. And what's going to happen. You know, you've got this great plan. You don't know that you're going to have a, a, you know, a pandemic, you know, come into play. Um, but all these things, as they happen, you have to you have to be willing to move fast. I think you you cannot overthink things. I think you know it's good to have a thought process and to put things down, but don't overthink them. You need to be at be action oriented, right, and get stuff done. Yeah, and and you certainly had the the highs and lows, and you've referenced you know a number of those. I mean, I think when any of us that have seen that footage at first we we couldn't quite figure it out. I mean, it was almost like a, a a movie, wasn't it? But perhaps we don't dwell on that so much today. But uh, you know, great to hear with the super ship La Venezia operating on the on the the rivers of um, of northern Italy. That's something that people will will have a wonderful time. And if I if I you know, obviously you you have travelled since the pan and during the pandemic. In terms of our guests. Now, do you think they want the same things they wanted pre-pandemic? Is there a sense that you know, I, I, I'm ready to enjoy all of the wonderful things that travel gave me again, rather than having this kind of asterisk about special conditions apply, which have come about from a pandemic? Are people traveling, do they want to travel in a different way or do they want to get back to what they loved? I think they definitely want to get back to what they love. Um, 
And I think that they also want to have fun. I think, you know, it's people have been home for so long and they haven't been around other people and they and they just want to get out and have fun. And uh, they want the consistency of something that they know. So our past guests want to come back because they know that they're going to be treated well. Right. And they know that they're going to love it. And so they want to come back to that so desperately. Um, And like I said, they just want to get out and have fun. And, and what about you? Not not just for for work, because I'm sure you'll be on an aircraft uh, often. But what about in your in your life? And your where are you heading next? What's on the list? Yeah, you know, um, personally, probably I know it sounds ridiculous, but probably going up to I'm going up to Spokane, Washington, <laughs> to uh, move my daughter out of her uh, dorm room and uh, get her into an apartment for the summer. So uh, I'll be going up there in May. That's my next personal trip. Um, so, but I am going over to uh, the La Venezia actually, uh, leaving on Friday. First, I'm going to Budapest, then I'm going to Venice, and then I'm going to London. And actually my other daughter is gonna meet me in London because I've got to be there for the weekend. So she's gonna pop over and, and uh, you know, spend some time with mom, so. Those are the moments, right? So. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful, wonderful um, trip that you're going to, I'm sure you'll work hard for a lot of it, but it'd be nice to enjoy London town again. Yeah. Ellen, the last question that I, I wanted to ask you, and again, so grateful for your time today is, and we referenced it earlier, that the 20 year old, maybe, you know, 22 year old passport holder, you know, Ellen Betridge, what, what advice would you give to her about her career about opportunities, about working hard. What advice would you give to that 20-year-old version of yourself? Uh, Well, a couple of things. Um, Don't be so hard on yourself. You know, believe. And it's okay to succeed. Um, I think sometimes um, we have a tendency to apologize for things. And it's like, you don't need to apologize for it. It's okay, you know. And um, it's okay to be proud. It's okay to be proud of your team and what you accomplish, and um, and and make sure you continue to recognize those who are around you who helped you make it happen. I think that's a neat way to finish. And Ellen, as I've said, very very grateful for your time. You certainly are a leader in travel, and you've you've well and truly taken us beyond the the business card. So thank you for doing that, folks. If you if you're listening out there and you've enjoyed this podcast, which I'm sure you have please feel free to let me know about a leader that you might like to hear from. Email me scott.cleaver at ttc.com and we'll, we'll do our best to, uh, to have them share their thoughts. So, Ellen, thank you so much for your time. Safe travels. Enjoy that weekend uh, with your daughter and, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you, Scott.